folks. This is Abel James, and thanks so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Today's episode of the show is with the wonderful Jimmy Moore, who's on to talk about his new book, Cholesterol Clarity, What the HDL is Wrong with My Numbers. It's an awesome show. It's always a pleasure to talk with a pro podcaster, an awesome person like Jimmy. He has a lot of truth bombs to drop on you folks about the squishy issue of cholesterol, because I know a lot of you are still worried about it if it's any indication from all the Facebook comments, Twitter comments, and emails that we receive about it. So we're going to set the record straight once and for all about cholesterol. In other news, I just celebrated my birthday, and this has bar none been the best year of my life, and I want to thank you guys for that. Um, I know a lot of you have listened to this show since the beginning, but for those of you who haven't, uh, you, you might not know that a year ago, I had a day job as a strategy consultant working on improving government efficiencies. It's a big job. Um, but after struggling with my own health for years, uh, putting on a bunch of weight, basically having my thyroid completely crap out, having a, a moon-shaped inflamed face and a destroyed gut and not being able to sleep at night among all so many other problems, I spent years trying to figure out how to hack my own health, how to improve it, how to, how to figure things out. Because what I was doing before, what my doctor told me to do, uh, what magazines told me to do, what conventional wisdom would tell you to do if you wanted to be healthy, that's what was making me sick. And clearly things are not getting a heck of a lot better right now when it comes to the obesity epidemic, uh, when it comes to the healthcare crisis and all these other sorts of things. And what I found was that the, the true answer to health eating real food and living like humans are supposed to live actually isn't all that difficult. It's, it's very straightforward, but there's so much noise and misinformation and propaganda out there that people don't really know where to start. They try all sorts of different kinds of diets, slugging cabbage soup, eating nothing but grapefruit, eating out of packages all day and all night long. This doesn't work. And so at, at that point, when I realized that, I really wanted to create something that would help spread this message that you, you can be healthy, happy, and strong by living a great life, not by being miserable and starving yourself. Uh, and I thought that that was really valuable information. So that's why I started my, my blog, wrote my book, um, and eventually started this podcast as well. And I think some of you know the rest of the story. It hit number one across the world and it's still up there. We have a top 10 app in the past year as well with my great friend, George Bryant, uh, as well as my partner, Andreas. Uh, we have a number of other cookbooks and books coming out. I've been publishing other authors and helping to spread the word about real food. And I couldn't do it without you guys. So thank you so much for the best year of my life and I'm really looking forward to spreading this message as much as I possibly can as time goes on. Now if there's one thing that I could ask you to do in honor of my birthday as a little birthday present to me, uh, I'd be much obliged if you could just tell someone about this information, point them in the right direction. It doesn't have to be my podcast or my blog or my recipes or anything else like that. Just spread the message that being healthy and being miserable are not at all the same thing. <laughs> you can eat real food, the best, most delicious food you've ever had in your life, and exercise and train in a way that is healthy and fun and interesting, and you don't need any gadgets or fat-burning pills or anything else to be healthy. Just take a moment, think of someone who you love, and try to 
explain that to them. I know it's really difficult. I do it for a living now. (laughs) It's not an easy task, but our goal is to change the world and help improve the world. And that would be one little step that you could take to help us reach our mission. So thank you so much in advance for that. All right, so onto the show with the wonderful Jimmy Moore. We talk about why and how we've all been duped about cholesterol, where the silly diet heart hypothesis came from in the first place, as well as the most important biomarker to measure if you want to avoid heart disease. All right, let's go hang out with Jimmy. All right, folks, we're back with the wonderful Jimmy Moore, host of the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. He's also the author of the new book, Cholesterol Clarity, What the HDL is Wrong with My Numbers. An absolute must read for anyone who's confused about the so-called dangers of cholesterol, which, let's face it, is pretty much everyone. How's it going, Jimmy? Hey, Abel, what's going on? It's kind of surreal uh, being on the Fat Burning Man show. <laughs> uh, I listen to it all the time. Whenever I take a trip, man, I always tell people I listen to several podcasts, and yours is definitely at the top of that list. Thanks, Jimmy. That's awesome. Well, you were there right at the beginning, as you well know. And mm-hmm. now you got your fancy new mic and headphones. It's looking good. <laughs> I am rocking, man. I, when I first started my podcast, I didn't have near the sound moxie and tech not moxie that all you new podcasters are. So, uh, I'm finally getting with the 21st century. (laughs) Well, it's crazy though, isn't it? Just the the advances that we've seen in the past few years in terms of, you know, when I started my show, video didn't really make that much sense. And now I just got a new, you know, um, HD webcam. It's gorgeous. It was 80 bucks. Wow. And this, like, if you look back five or, or certainly 10 years, this just wouldn't have been possible. So like to be able to do what we do now is so cool and it's it's brand new and like you said before this call you were just at uh, AHS and you saw all these new faces new people coming into this starting their own blogs and podcasts and video shows and it's, it's a pretty encouraging time it's pretty neat because we need that community to expand if we're truly going to make a difference and get out there in the culture i mean we're still a movement of thousands and we need to be a movement of tens and hundreds of thousands to truly rock this message across the globe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're working on it. So yeah. let's, I, I loved, thank you for sending me an advanced copy of, of the ebook itself, uh, sure. giving me an early look. It's super cool. This is something, uh, you know, cholesterol is something that everyone, even if they don't worry about it anymore, are still confused about. (laughs) And deep down inside, they probably still worry about it, even though they tell themselves they're not worried. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's pretty obvious to me why you might want to write a book like that. But one of the coolest things that you did is not just, you know, kind of have your own diatribe about what cholesterol is and why you should or shouldn't worry about certain things, but you got a whole panel of doctors together to talk about those specific things. And they're very candid in their opinions uh, and their recommendations in terms of what to do. So why don't you just start there and give us a little bit of background about what the the book itself looks like and what that panel of doctors was like. Yeah, so when I, this is the book I've been wanting to write for almost a decade, Abel. And it all started when I was in the doctor's office in 2004. I've been on your show before and talked about my weight loss. Lost 180 pounds on the Atkins diet, got healthier by all you know measures. And I went to my doctor to get my cholesterol checked and other health markers. And I looked at the HDL and it was 72, which is really, really good. And my triglycerides, I believe at the end of that year was somewhere around 42 or 43. Again, really, really good. Right. And so I go to my doctor and he looks at my cholesterol test results 
and he has kind of this somber look on his face and dun 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 and he said um um, you need to probably cut your saturated fat and you need to take a statin drug. Now I had been on statin drugs before they messed with me so bad. I never wanted to be on those things again. I had yeah. bad joint pain, bad muscle aches. Uh, I remember going up for a rebound and this thumb right here just went straight backwards, Ugh. uh, in a pickup game of basketball. Ugh, and it was all of those things that kind of made me believe, okay, statins probably aren't the best thing in the world. Right. So I, I tell him, I'm, I'm like, okay, but what about that HDL? Isn't that really, really good? The 72? Oh man, that is a great HDL cholesterol. Take a statin. <laughs> I was like, okay, but what about triglycerides being 42, 43? Isn't that pretty low? It doesn't that show that I have pretty good heart health? Absolutely. That is the lowest triglyceride I've ever seen of any of my patients take a statin. Yeah. And so it was almost like nothing else mattered on that cholesterol panel, but that LDL C and the total cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And so all treatment was predicated on just those two numbers, which made me think at that time, why the heck are we even testing anything else if that's all that matters, if that's what the treatment's going to be based on? So that was kind of the genesis way back in 2005 of me wanting to write this book that's now coming to fruition. Um, I needed to learn some more. And so over the years, as you know, I've I've done the Living La Vida Low Carb Show, over 700 podcast interviews with literally everybody yeah, <laughs> in health. <literally. laughs> You're almost there yourself. You've, you've uh, had quite a few people on your show, but a lot of those same people I knew were experts in cholesterol. Yeah. So why not tap their brain a little bit, do a brand new interview with them mm -hmm. and feature them in the book? Because a lot of these doctors and uh, researchers and, and different people in the health field, people may not even know about. So mm -hmm. let's get their work out there. It was kind of a, a, a dual purpose. Let's get their great work that they've been doing for many years already out there for the world to see, but then let's bring their perspective all collectively together into one place. And that's what we tried to do with cholesterol clarity. Yeah. And there were so many things to talk about with this. I, I don't even know where to start, but for the people who still worry a lot about cholesterol, still think that that uh, affects their heart health in a, in a very meaningful and specific way. Can you give them a little bit of background in terms of what you found uh, in your own journey, as well as while you were writing this book from the panel of doctors, what what are they saying about cholesterol today? Sure. So most people, they'll go to their doctor and the doctor will look at total cholesterol. Let's just throw a random number out there. It's 220. Okay. So they'll get a 220 total cholesterol and the uh, doctor will, and in fact, Christine, uh, wasn't your total cholesterol around 225 or whatever? And the doctor kind of said, you need to um, uh, cut your saturated fat. And of course, I was sitting right there, so he knew yeah. <laughs> not to say too much too loud. But And he, he did not push statin. I think he knows by now we've mm -hmm. kind of said no so strongly that he doesn't even push it anymore. But most doctors will push statin right. with a 225. Why did they do that? They do that because there's these guidelines that are out there called the ATP uh, cholesterol guidelines that they follow. And, and it pretty much says eat a low fat diet, take a statin drug. If the cholesterol is over 200 and if the LDL is over 100. And so they're kind of dutifully looking at numbers without looking at the patient able. That's, yeah. that's what gets me. 
Um, there's so many people that go in to see their doctor. They look great. They look healthy. They're vibrant. Everything about their health screams that they're incredibly healthy, but their 220 total cholesterol says on a piece of paper, you're not healthy all of a sudden. Yeah. So there's other ways to measure actual heart health risk. Let's look at CRP. That is C-reactive protein. It's sometimes referred to as HSCRP. Mm -hmm. Let's see what that's doing. That's inflammation in the body. And without inflammation, you can have no heart disease. So why don't we go to the, all pun intended, very heart of the issue <laughs> and measure for that inflammation. Let's see if any actual disease is happening. There's also other tests we talk about in the book, like the CT heart calcium score that you can have run. It's basically a CT scan of your chest, and you can see how much calcified plaque is actually developing in your coronary arteries. Mm -hmm. uh, mine, mine's zero, by the way. All right. And so that's what you really want to be doing, not focusing narrowly on a total cholesterol number, which is like knowing the end, base, end of a baseball game is 25. You don't know if it was a blowout of 24 to 1. You don't know if it was a barn burning of 13 to 12. You just don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. So why don't we take a look at what those subfractions of what those numbers actually mean in that total cholesterol and then formulate you know, treatment options based on that, not on just one or two singular numbers. Yeah. So you'll appreciate this. We don't tend to actually go to doctors that much anymore. We, we more have like informal conversations so much with, with doctors that we yeah. kind of cover off on the questions we would ask anyway. But, uh, but Same. Allison, who, you know, uh, my girlfriend, she's about, you know, a little over a hundred pounds, beautiful, um, exercises, eats, you know, very similarly to the way that I do and the way that you do, Jimmy, as well. Uh, all re real foods and that sort of thing. She went into the doctor and the doctor saw her numbers. Um, triglycerides were wonderful, uh, but her, her total cholesterol was relatively high on that scale. Uh, including, what was it? And especially her good cholesterol. Yeah. And so um, he was saying, well, basically, you need to stop eating all fat. <laughs> um, you need to completely revamp your diet. You need to do right. all of these things. And it's like, you know, she's in her 20s and like looks great and feels yeah. great. And it's it's just such a ridiculous thing to go to immediately. And she's like, yeah, but shouldn't th there are no symptoms here? You know, like um, actually I had my C-reactive protein tested just a little while back and it was like 0.28. And I was stoked because it's like, especially when you're doing intense exercise or right. you're really stressed out with work and like yep. all these other things. Like for a while I was eating things that I know um, weren't necessarily playing nicely with my body. It's, it's nice to see numbers like that and actually be able to trust them. So for people who are looking to actually get tested, what are those numbers that, that you can trust it and put some faith in? Yeah, I'm so jealous of your C-reactive protein. Mine's 0.55, which is good. Anything under one is really, really good. But I'm going to aim for Abel James. But uh, <laughs> what are the numbers that you should be paying attention to? That is a great question. I, I do believe you should have your C-reactive protein definitely run. Know where you stand on that one. But even on your standard lipid panel, let's take a look at triglycerides. Most of my experts, those 29 experts, and we haven't talked about my co-author, is Dr. Eric Westman, who in his own right is a great researcher and practitioner of this as well. So he he really helped keep me on the straight and narrow with the science throughout the book. But uh, triglycerides probably came up more than anything on all of these experts in the interviews that I did. If you're going to look at a cholesterol, look at your triglycerides. That's the thing on the cholesterol panel that really means something. 
When it's over 100, Abel, we've always heard triglycerides should be under 150, right? right. Well, at 150, you can already be seeing the signs of metabolic disturbance of, of some sort or another. So getting it down below 100, and really, uh, Paul Jaminet said under 70 is, is pretty much perfect health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the goal. And if it's above 70, guess what it means? It means you're probably eating, and it's not going to be a surprise coming out of my mouth, too many carbohydrates in your diet. Mm -hmm. And while I don't think everybody necessarily needs to eat a low-carb diet, I do think you need to find your personal carbohydrate tolerance level. And it seems like the triglycerides is going to be a great way to determine what your carbohydrate tolerance level is. So if you're over 100, you probably need to cut back on the carbs just a bit. So, yeah. Is that every carb? I think primarily, obviously, the ones we talk about quite a bit on both of our shows, grains, sugars, and for some people, starches are going to be problematic. So you have to at least know your limitations and just make appropriate tweaks all along the way. That If there's one theme song that screams, hopefully, throughout Cholesterol Clarity is you're in control of your health. You've got to figure this out on your own. Stop abdicating your responsibility to doctors. You grab back the reins of, of your health. And if that means you tweak things and you try things that you try and fail, you keep trying and you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, not all carbs. Obviously, there are some great healthy carbs, um, green leafy vegetables. I love, love, love raw spinach. I'll throw that into literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so nutrient dense and it doesn't mess with the triglycerides. So yeah. that's that's really good. So uh, we've said uh, HSCRP, triglycerides. A, a third marker I would say is important is your HDL. And again, that's a parallel marker that goes along with uh, triglycerides. As your triglycerides go down, your HDL, quote unquote, good cholesterol is going to go up. Mm -hmm. And optimally, you want that number over 50 or or above 50 and optimally over 70. Yeah. So the way you get it up there is going to be fun for your audience. Mm -hmm. Eat more fat in your diet. Yeah. (laughs) So the symbiosis between getting your appropriate carbohydrate tolerance of carbs and eating a lot more fat uh, from quality sources, of course, you're going to have higher HDL, lower triglycerides like Allison. You know, her HDL is very high because she eats a lot of fat, no doubt. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And yet the higher HDL that you have can show up in your total cholesterol, which makes it ludicrous that we're trying to lower it when part of that, in fact, one of my um, experts in the book is Dr. Kate Shanahan, and she made this point. You know, we want to vilify total cholesterol, but one of those numbers in that total cholesterol is something we want higher, we want more of. (laughs) So again, back to the baseball analogy, we don't know what comprises that total cholesterol. You have to see what the breakdown is and then make a decision from there. Yeah. And then there's two other numbers I think are important. If you're going to go a little more advanced than your basic cholesterol test, get an NMR lipoprofile test done. Have you ever had one of those done? I don't think I have, but I'm about to. I'm, I'm about to do a whole round of basically testing everything I can. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And I, that's what I love about you because I'm the same way. <laughs> I want to test this body. Bring it. Uh, so uh, the NMR lipoprofile test, that's the, the particle size test you might have heard about. So it gives you two key numbers. One is LDLP and the other one is small LDLP. Now there's debate within the community, even the research community, about whether it's the total number of particles or if it's the size of the particles that matters the most. Because it's not settled science in the book, we just present both sides and let you decide for yourself which one you want to believe. Mm-hmm. But the LDL particle 
Everybody looks at LDL and they think it's one number. They see LDLC. Well, that is a calculated number with uh, an equation called the Friedwald equation. It's not an exact count of how many LDL particles are actually in your body. The only way you can do that is with an NMR lipoprofile test. So mm -hmm. you get that run, you get that number, and you want it to be um, below 1,000 according to the NMR people. There's debate as well about whether if you eat a low-carb, uh, low high-fat diet, if that number even matters, mm -hmm. uh, that it's the size that matters, and that's the fifth one, small LDLP. And this is a key one because those are the small, dense LDL particles that penetrate the arterial wall, and that's the kind you're trying to avoid. Yeah. So if you can have less small and more of the large, fluffy kind, you have what's called pattern A LDL cholesterol. Pattern A is what you want. Uh, pattern A is what I have, by the way, and I'm sure it's what you and Allison have. You'll know soon when you get this test done. Yeah. <laughs> but what you're trying to shoot for is about 20% uh, or less of your LDL uh, particles being those small, dense kind. Mm -hmm. And optimally under 200. I know one of my um, experts was Dr. William Davis, the wheat belly uh, author. And he says that he's getting a lot of his patients who had, you know, thousands and thousands of small LDL particles down to almost zero. Wow. And so you, you want to know how you do it? How do you do it, Jimmy? <laughs> it's a lot of things, but we go back to basics. That's what we tried to do throughout this book. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it basic. Let's get people started in the right direction. We're eating way too many refined grains and sugars and for a lot of people, starches, and we're not eating enough fat in our diet, the good quality saturated fats from quality sources. Mm -hmm. You limit those carbs, you raise the fat, you raise your HDL, you lower your triglycerides, and that symbiosis at the same time lowers the number of small dense LDL particles. You're gonna be in a much healthier place, and your inflammation will go down as well. Yeah. You'll be in a much healthier place than you've ever been in your life, who cares that I have a 306 total cholesterol when all of those other markers are right in line with where they need to be showing I'm the picture of heart health. Yeah. So a lot of people, especially who adopt this lifestyle, obviously not a lot of people around them do at the same time. So right. I think one of the biggest arguments that people outside this community have is, well, what's your cholesterol? Like your right. heart's going to stop, right? What would you recommend that someone says back to that in, in response? It's a tricky question. And I remember when Gary Tobbs was on Dr. Oz show, Dr. Oz tried to have the gotcha. Yeah. So Gary, what's your total cholesterol? I don't know. He said uh, it was a great answer, but yeah. he, he got some <laughs> flack for it, obviously. And he later went and got it tested as something like 225. It was nothing. Yeah. And it, what do you say to that? I mean, I think we have to say, you know what? My health is more than just a cholesterol number. A cholesterol number is an interesting indicator that things might be going on, mm -hmm. but it in and of itself as a singular marker really means nothing. It's kind of like your weight. Your yeah. weight is an interesting marker, and you certainly want to monitor it, I suppose, from time to time, but I'd rather know how do I feel? How do I look? Oh, yeah. how, do, how do I perform activity? All of those things are much more important than any number on a scale number on a cholesterol test result. So mm -hmm. I try to educate through the book, look, cholesterol is not the big be all end all that you think it is. Right. Why don't we start looking at other things? Well, let's look at your blood sugar. You wanna talk about numbers, that's a big number yeah. that I think will tell the tale of how you're doing. 
So I think shifting the focus away from cholesterol is how we're going to bring more clarity to this issue than anything else we could do. That's brilliant. I really like that analogy too uh, with, with weight because I think that's something that you know pretty much everyone pays attention to. And yeah. I think everyone has an understanding that weight isn't indicative of health. You know, they all like maybe a lot of people don't accept that, <laughs> but I think yeah. they all kind of know that, you know, if you're anorexic, you're probably not healthy despite having a very low body weight. I know myself, you know, I, uh, I kind of went up and down for a while, but now I walk around at about 167, 170, and that feels really healthy for me right now. When nice. I was running marathons, I was at 148, which was just, you know, skin and bones. And that's not good for me. At the same time, I was overweight at the weight I am now in the past as well, and then a bit wow. higher than that too. But it's like, if you look at a picture of me when I weighed 170 compared to a picture of me when I weighed 170, it's like, you know, in one of them, my face is like this and like I have a gut and I don't really have any muscle. <laughs> and in another one, I'm like big and shredded and looking good and healthy with good color. And it's just, if you extend that to looking at cholesterol, I, th I think it's a pretty pretty good argument because a lot of people who are just like, well, your heart's going to stop. Well, you could also say to them like, well, why can you explain to me yeah. why that would stop your heart? Well, um, Abel, I can tell you in the, um, in the book, I tell a story about going to Sam's club to mm -hmm. get my total cholesterol, uh, run. They, they do that from time to time. They do free test results. I always go up there just for fun. I like, you know, <laughs> quantified self and N equals yeah. one. Let's, let's see how I'm doing. So this was just a few months ago and I went to the Sam's club and the lady in front of me, morbidly obese, had a uh, blood pressure 180 over 110 or so, really high. Yeah. And she gets up there and they test her blood sugar and they test her total cholesterol. Her blood sugar came in 84. Her total cholesterol came in, it was something like 170, 160, something like that. And the nurse said, wow, you are the picture of health because of what that blood sugar and total cholesterol said, and she, oh yeah, I have naturally low cholesterol. And then the phlebotomist said, yeah, the less of that stuff, referring to the cholesterol that you have in your body, the better. And I'm just sitting over there going, <laughs> what? <laughs> so then it was my turn, and and you know I've lost quite a bit of weight over the past year, and I'm feeling yeah. good, and and everything's working. And so I I sit down. Oh wow, you look really healthy. These numbers are going to be great, and you know you, you look like you're very vibrant, young man. Blah blah blah. Until the number showed up on the screen. Now, my blood sugar was really good. I think it was like 87 or whatever it was that day. But my total cholesterol was 306. Hmm. And you would have thought I kicked the woman's dog. <laughs> the way she looked on her face, she was like, uh, are, 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 are you okay? And I was like, I feel fine. What are you going to do about your high cholesterol? I mean, she was like literally scared for me being that high. And I said, you want to know something funny? I had 419 total cholesterol in December. And her eyes just kind of went, what? <laughs> Have you taken a statin drug? No, I, I refuse to take statin drugs. How did it come down so much? So I, it opened a door of opportunity for me to kind of talk about, you know, high fat being a good thing, low carb and what's right for me. And, you know, she was kind of nervously talking to me throughout the whole thing and she said, well, well, have, have a good day. And uh, you know, I just know as I was leaving, she said, this guy's going to keel over in the parking lot with a yeah. 306, but that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with. We're looking at people we're we're realizing that, Hey, they're healthy. 
they're Allison, you know, when the doctor, see, she's beautiful. She's got all this vibrancy about her young, no signs of any symptoms of anything wrong. And yet one number on one test says she's suddenly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we got to stop that. And that's what we hope to do with cholesterol clarity. Yeah. And it's not like just saying that she's unhealthy, but that she needs to completely change her lifestyle to get that one metric in order. And uh, that's right. So why don't you explain a little bit too what happens when you have low cholesterol or high cholesterol as related to heart disease specifically? Yeah. So if I had to choose whether I want low cholesterol or high cholesterol, give me high cholesterol every day of the week because what people don't realize is the cholesterol is there for a reason. When you have higher levels of cholesterol, it's usually responding to some sort of inflammation or something that's going on in the body where that cholesterol is needed. So if you are artificially lowering that cholesterol by taking a statin drug or mm-hmm. you know, drinking vegetable oil will lower your cholesterol. It oxidizes the LDL. You don't want that to happen, but it yeah. does lower the cholesterol. We're just looking at a numbers game here. There are ways to do that, but it does not mean you're going to be healthier. Yeah. There's one really famous example we put in the book in that, uh, you know, what do you mean my cholesterol is too low chapter is Tim Russert. He was the host of Meet the Press. Did you ever watch him on TV? Yeah. Yeah. So very famous guy. And he was on a low fat diet, exercised every day took a statin drug, did all the things that were supposedly heart healthy. Mm -hmm. And one month before he died of a heart attack in his 50s, he went to his doctor and the doctor said, you are the picture of heart health. You want to know why the doctor thought that? His total cholesterol, get this Abel, 105. So with 105 total cholesterol, by all intents and measures, if we're looking at cholesterol as a marker of heart disease, he should have been the picture of heart health. Mm -hmm. And yet one month later, he died of his very first heart attack in his 50s, way too young. Why did that happen? He had systemic inflammation. He had a heart scan score of over 500. You want that number under 100. Mine was zero. Nice. All of those things contributed and he had high inflammatory markers, the CRP we were talking about. So just looking at total cholesterol, he looked like the picture of heart health. Mm -hmm. And yet it was that low cholesterol that hurt him because he did not have the cholesterol in his body to patch up where there was inflammation happening to help heal his body. So he was basically putting himself out there as a sitting duck. Yeah. Ugh, that's ugly business. Really is. I, we haven't talked about this on the show in a while, but I think you're a perfect person to cover it. The whole diet heart hypothesis, um, <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah. Can you give a, a brief primer on the background of why we think the way that we do about saturated fat cholesterol in our diets as being bad for our hearts? Yeah. So, I mean, everybody in this community already knows about the Ansel Key story, but that really is the genesis of it. Uh, he took a, a, a study of rabbits that were starved and, and put on a, on a high-fat diet. And, of course, rabbits are vegetarians, so you feed an abnormal animal an abnormal diet, of course they're going to get disease. Yeah. It just, you know, that, that stands to reason. But no matter, Ansel Keys kind of promoted this idea, okay, well, fat raises cholesterol, 
which then led to heart disease, that must happen in humans. So he puts this idea out there, does this uh, study that confirms, quote unquote, confirms his hypothesis called the seven nation study. And it actually included 22 nations, but he threw all the ones out that didn't match his uh, explanation for heart disease because they were exactly real good science there. So he eliminated the ones where they ate more fat and had less heart disease and the ones uh, where they cut fat and had less heart disease. It, it just, there was so much all over the board. I mean, have you ever seen Tom Naughton's Fathead movie? I mean, it's like a zigzag all over. Oh, yeah. But that that wouldn't have made a splash in the scientific community. So he had to kind of make this little curve. Oh, that's perfect curve that <laughs> proves the hypothesis. And yet, Abel, it penetrated our culture to the point that in the late 70s, the government decided to get involved in nutrition it's when we had the whole food pyramid begin, the yeah. dietary recommendations for all Americans. And so we were stuck. And I grew up in the 80s as a kid. I watched my mama obediently get all those nasty rice cakes and the low-fat foods. And, you know, mom, I don't want to eat this stuff. <laughs> oh, but you're going to gain weight, son. I'm still gaining weight and I'm eating rice cakes. So it, it, we just have such this morass and fear of fat. And we still do in 2013. Yeah. And I do think, Abel, that's changing, but until people get over their fear of fat and especially saturated fat, we're not going to really progress forward with the message. So mm -hmm. that's why we hammer that hard, why fat's not the enemy in this book, why fat raising your cholesterol isn't necessarily true, number one, not universally true. It might in some people, but even if it does, it's not the end of the world. There are much more important things that are going on with that fat in your body than your cholesterol going up. Yeah. And every so often or, or every day, actually, you see that there's a new study that proves this to be true, right? Yeah. Um, that proves that fat is going to stop your heart or, or something else like that. I just right. uh, actually started up like a, a, a weekly link post uh, of interesting studies and recipes and that sort of thing on the blog. I just Love pulled it. up one of the quotes here that um, basically <laughs> this one's about skipping breakfast and why it's so bad for our heart health. And that was in, <laughs> in Forbes. And it's, you know, just debating the necessity of breakfast and why it's the most important meal of the day. You know the story. Yeah. Uh, but I found this quote a little bit questionable. It said, men who skipped breakfast are 27% more likely to experience heart attack or to die as the result of coronary heart disease. The men who skipped breakfast were more likely to be single, smokers, employed full-time to drink more alcohol, were younger, and were less likely to be physical, physically active than people who ate breakfast. So... Uh, no confounding is, variables there, is it? I know, right? So is it the act of skipping breakfast that screws your heart, or is it actually the type of person who tends to skip breakfast or miss it altogether happens to be a lazy boozer who smokes? And that's, <laughs> that's the problem with so many of these studies that I, I right. think a lot of people you know, cling to without knowing that they're not science at all. Um, observational studies are, are very problematic, and those are the ones that have, that have proven most of these links. As it stands now, it's been 24 hours since my last meal, so I guess I, I should have died a long time ago. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Jimmy. Why don't we talk about that? Why does that work, sure. Why does that work for you? So – 
when I started nutritional ketosis and you had me on about six or so months ago talking about the experiment in the midst of it, I did end up losing a total of 78 pounds on the experiment. Uh, basically, by putting my body into fat-burning mode, uh, I'm on the fat-burning man show with the fat-burning mode. Um, and so I did that by producing enough blood ketones that gave me such energy fulfilled my hunger that I didn't feel hunger anymore. I was so satiated that it just spontaneously started happening. You know, I know you've had James Clear on your show and he's big into the intermittent fasting being a essential part of health. It becomes natural and normal yeah. when you eat an adequate amount of fat. We're going to keep coming back to this fat issue because I, I, it's very important. And I think it's probably the key to answering all health issues with Americans and people around the world. People, add more fat to your diet and your health is going to benefit so tremendously. Mm -hmm. But that's been the key, Abel, getting that fat in there, really shooting up the ketones so I'm satisfied and I'm able, I mean, I'm sitting here having a chat with you. I'm not hypoglycemic. I'm not nervous about when am I going to eat next. You know, I feel satisfied. I feel energetic. I have clarity of mind. That's the power of the ketones. Does everybody need to eat ketogenic? No, but I mean, for me, it works. I know it works. That's why I do it. That's why I talk about it. I want other people that are frustrated to know you can do this too. I used to think intermittent fasting was the stupidest thing in the world, by the way, uh, Abel. Mm -hmm. How do you starve yourself and how is that healthy? And I didn't really understand that it would come naturally. You're not trying to force starvation. Right. What you're doing is just responding to your your body's natural satiety signals. And right now I'm eating while I'm talking to you. I'm actually eating on the fat stores that are in my body, mm -hmm. not actual food I have to put in my mouth. It's pretty cool. It's, it's very cool. And so you're not supplementing with any other pure fats during this fast? No. So during the last 24 hours, I've done zero food, just, just drink. Yeah. And so I know some people like to do bulletproof coffee. I, I hate coffee. So sorry, Dave Asprey, but I absolutely hate coffee. So I've tried the bulletproof and, you know, if I want butter or MCT oil in my mouth, I'll just eat it straight up. Yeah. Um, and that's cool with me. Uh, but no, I know some people, they do fast where they, uh, add in like MCT oil or coconut oil or butter right in the middle of it. This is a pure fast, no food, just water yeah. for the most part. Wow. And how long does that typically go? Is it usually 24 hours and then you cut it off or? Yeah, I mean, it varies. Again, I'm listening to my body. I'm letting my body tell me how it goes. And, and it's interesting. When I first started doing this, I had no intention of fasting at all. It just started happening. And so when I had this whole idea to listen to my body, I said, okay, well, I mean, I could probably eat, but let me see how much longer I can go. So yeah. for example, today I'm, I'm right now in my 24th hour of fasting. So I might go two more hours and then I'll eat something. It just depends on what my body says. Mm -hmm. And I'm not starving. You know, people are like, oh, well, you can't go that long without starving. Well, when you're not a sugar burner mm -hmm. and you're a fat burner, um, you're able to sustain a lot longer than you even realize. Yeah. And I think once we get off the garbage, as I like to call it, and nourish our bodies with very good foods, how do you not, how do you eat so often is what I want to know. These yeah. people that eat breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, midnight snack, you know, that, that concept doesn't even register with me anymore. I've become so accustomed to eating one to two meals a day and being completely satisfied with that. About the only time it's awkward is when you have a social situation that you go to. You just learn you either don't eat or you nitpick with what you can eat. Yep. Um, it, it's not 
rocket science people. Yeah. Or you just say you already ate because you did. Or That's what I usually right say. Yeah, I'm, I'm eating my ketones is what I tell them sometimes. <laughs> They'll go, what? what? <laughs> so, Jimmy, let me ask you this. At the you know, 24th hour or 26th hour or you know, 20th, whenever you become hungry or you want to eat again, what does that feel like? Is it coming from your gut, from your head, somewhere else? You know, it's very subtle. In fact, I remember when I first started doing this, my wife, Christine, sitting over there, and she said, um, when's the last time you ate? Because I was forgetting to eat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think it was yesterday sometimes. Will you please eat something? You know, it's, it's almost <laughs> like this, you know, we've become so culturalized that we have to eat at certain times that when you miss that meal, you know, people get anxious around you. It's, it's really kind of a fascinating social experiment if you ever want to just freak people out, just yeah, I haven't eaten I in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> so how do you know when you're hungry? Where is that Okay, yeah. From? So it's sometimes I'll get a little bit of grumbling in the stomach or uh, I'll just have that kind of urge. I'll get like hunger hiccups. You ever get those where you start to get a little hungry and you, no. you kind of hiccup? You never get – it's weird. My body is very strange at oh, hunger hiccups. Funny. Yeah, you know, I'll just <gasps> – and, and Christine's like, please eat something. That's your body telling you to eat. And it usually is. So, wow. yeah. So it's not usually an overwhelming feeling that my blood sugar is dropping. I'm having hypoglycemia and I would get shaky. I mean, Christine used to tell you before I did low carb, I would get angry when I was hungry, which was like all the time on a low fat diet. And I just had to eat right away or I was going to bite your head off. But my demeanor now is like, yeah, I can eat. Yeah. But it's not this. Ooh, I've got to eat now or I'm going to bite your head off and it's just going to be the worst feeling in the world. I, I don't get that way anymore. I don't even know what that feels like anymore, and thankfully. Yeah. Um, but too many people, and I think it's why we have road rage and we have you know, all these things that happen neurologically, people are starving their brains and it's affecting them physically. But when you feed your brain properly with the right amount of fats again and not too much sugar in the body, mm -hmm. you're allowing your body to be nourished now, this is normal. This is what it's supposed to feel like. You're not supposed to have that sudden urge that you got to go to Taco Bell at midnight. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen anymore because I'm satiated, I'm satisfied, uh, I have clarity of thought. All of these things kick in because I'm eating well. And you raised a really good point, too, that you weren't always someone who could go without food. You right. got hangry. <laughs> so hangry. A lot of people are just, you know, when they hear about, um, skipping a meal or intermittent fasting or that sort of thing. They're like, well, I could never do that because I'm not that type of person. It doesn't work for me. Um, I thought the same thing. <laughs> it, it didn't work for you. So what, what changed? How did that happen? When I started getting the right mix that was right for me. Mm -hmm. So with the nutritional ketosis, what I did was I, I've always been low carb. I just know that about myself. But what I didn't do was minimize the protein enough so that I would not get that uh, glucose effect from it. And then eating m even more fat. You know, I was eating pretty high fat, Abel. I was having 60% of my calories as fat. Mm -hmm. It turns out I needed a little more wow. and a little less protein. And that made all the difference in the world that just made that switch happen in the brain that said, ah, finally, dummy, you fed me what I need. And I'm not going to send out that panic button that says, eat now, eat now, eat now. I just don't get that panic button anymore. And 
Also, one more thing, because we're coming up close on time. So sure. you, you call it the nutritional ketosis experiment, which kind of right. implies that it was a, a brief period of time or a compressed period of time, and now you're doing something else. What, is, what does that look like in terms of testing and then right. your lifestyle and the conclusions that you came to? So I did a whole year of doing that from May 2012 to May 2013. You interviewed me right smack dab in the middle of it, mm -hmm. uh, right after I got back from Australia, actually. Um, and I did a talk on it in Australia, and I've done it several times in America since then. In fact, at AHS, I did a whole poster uh, about this whole experiment. But I tested blood sugar. I tested blood ketones. There's this ketone meter. Again, we talked about that in the last episode. Mm -hmm. So go listen to that one. But uh, we talked all about that, and you and I tested my weight. So those were like the three main things. And then I did some little ancillary things along the way, like um, testing a DEXA scan to see body fat loss, muscle gain while doing this very low protein, very low carb, very high fat diet. Mm -hmm. And you asked, so this implied that you did this very temporarily. Well, I did one year officially openly for all the world to see, and it was a beautiful exper experiment. And when that was over, Abel, I thought, okay, let me try to add back in now that I've lost 78 pounds. Maybe I've fixed some things that were metabolically broken about me. Let me try adding back in a few more carbs, a little more protein and titrate back the fat a bit to see what happens. Well, what I found was for me, that did not work. Hmm. I started gaining weight. I had high blood sugar start to happen. High for me is upper 90s, low 100s. But hmm. it was up from the upper 70s, low 80s I was seeing. And then my ketones went to pot. I mean, I was yeah. almost always over 1.0 in the mornings, 2.0 at night. And I was suddenly seeing 0 0.3, 0 0.4 on the blood ketone meter. That was not good. Yeah. So what I was aiming for was 0.5 to 3.0. And in fact, I could do this live on the air if you want me to test my blood ketones right in front do of you. That would be awesome. You want to go get my meter for me, Christine? <laughs> We're going to do this live on the fly. But So to answer your question, I am still doing this. I've basically gone back to what I did during the experiment, doing the still the kind of 80-15-5 deal. Yeah. Um, and on uh, weightlifting days, I tend to eat a little more protein just for that purpose but for the most part, it's somewhere around 80 to 100 grams of protein in a day. So, um, you know, that's kind of the deal, and I'm still doing it. And here we are. We've got the nice meter. We are going to, like, rock the fat burning man show with my ketones. <laughs> no worries, not peeing on a stick. This is a new so, No, no, no. This is not a pee <laughs> stick. We're not doing that anymore. That's highly unreliable, by the way. Don't, don't use those. It measures a ketone known as acetoacetate. And what we want to test for is beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the ketone body in the blood. And yes, I'm stalling while I'm getting these in the meter. In fact, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube or wherever this is, we got the meters. So I'm going to prick my finger. Uh, all right. And then got some blood coming up. You're not grossed out by blood, are you? <laughs> not me. <laughs> not you. you. You have more blood coming out of you. All right. So let's get the ketone one. That takes about 10 seconds. It's going. Want to take a guess, Mr. Fat Burning Man, what my blood ketones are going to be? Oh, geez. I... <laughs> it's, no, it's noon Eastern time. So I just told you I didn't eat for the last 24 hours. So that's kind of your hints. Oh, man. Got a guess? And you aim for 0.5 to 5? Is that what you said? 0.5 to 3.0. So I'll show you the blood sugar. That'll give you a hint. Ooh, nice. Blood sugar's 90. Well, let's that's go pretty right good. in the middle of that. Let's, let's be safe. Let's say... Uh... Let's say 1.75. You're going to be brilliant when this airs. 
All right. <laughs> 1.8. He said 1.75, Christine. <laughs> 1.8. Awesome. Which is good. That's what you want. And I found, Abel, that when my blood ketones are that high, thank you, honey, by the way, uh, when they're that high, I feel good. I feel the energy. Hopefully it's coming through the microphone that I'm energetic and alive and I'm thinking very clearly. You know, all of that is the power of the ketones. Yeah. Most people, if they were in a 24-hour fast, their brains can't wrap their heads around that because they're so used to, I've got to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. And if they're not feeding the beast, they're anxious. They're, they got all these things. That's because their brains are running on, on sugar. Yeah. And you want to be running on fat and ketones. Now we're um, talking. I, I know, right? And plus, <laughs> fat tastes better than sugar anyway. Oh, I don't know so about you. Sugar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm down with fat. You know that. Um, so sugar, we got an exclusive. Gross. You know, even when I when I try to cheat, or someone has like a wonderful dessert or something like that, I can't handle it anymore. It's like it's just pure sweetness, and that's not good. And I've even noticed that in naturally in some foods. Um, I had a peach at at the ancestral health symposium. They had a little salad that had a peach on it. I was like, okay, we're in Georgia. I'm gonna have a peach in Georgia. So I, I ate the little slice of peach and m- my brain was going on overdrive going, what is this very sweet thing? Now, I'm not saying a peach is horrible. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But <laughs> uh, I think for some people, once you get off the sugar and you realize the taste of real food, even some real foods can become hyper palatable and you probably need to avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, Jimmy, but why don't you tell folks uh, where they can find your new book, Cholesterol Clarity, as well as where they can find you. Sure. So I am at livinglavitalowcarb.com. It's kind of the main hub for all of my sites. I have three podcasts I do, seven, uh, not seven days a week. feels like seven days a week, <laughs> You're five days a week, um, a, a blog, Living Levita Low Carb blog and all sorts of things. So definitely check that out or you can just Google my name, Jimmy Moore. And I think the f- whole first page is all my stuff. <laughs> and then uh, there's my book, Cholesterol Clarity, What the HDL is Wrong With My Numbers. Uh, cholesterolclarity.com is the website for the book. You can see all kind of cool information. We'll have this interview up there for people to link to and check out. So, uh, thank you very much, Abel. Thank you so much, Jimmy. This was, this was totally awesome. It's always a breeze. It seems like five minutes every time I talk to you, but it turns out to be an hour. (laughs) It's the power of being podcasters, man. We need to just interview each other. It's just, it's real, it's cool because we, we're all passionate. We all want to get the message out and we're doing it in our own ways. We all have our own stories and I'm, I'm just thrilled to be able to share mine here today on uh, the Fat Burning Man Show. You're awesome, Jimmy. We all love you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email, and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman. And on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well, and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.